0: Perhaps you have a loved one who's close to death and you'd like to know what's happening. Are you on the path to fulfill your life's purpose? No matter where you are in the world, take a journey to the other side and ask Julie Ryan.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Ask Julie Ryan show. I'm so delighted you could join us today because we have Heather Lee Strong with us. Heather Lee, welcome.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Julie. I'm very excited to be talking to you today. I'm excited to talk to you too, because she's
1: a medical girl, everybody. She's a physical therapist who is a canine channeler. So we're going to find out about that and find out what the the information is that she gets and how that helps people. I'm I'm interested to find out how you combine that with your medical background and and all your expertise and wisdom and helping people heal. So. I have lots of questions for you, my girl. <laughs> Good. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just start out with what are canine spirit guides?
2: Yeah, that's a great question because they're not what you think they are. They are the intergalactic version of our dogs. Which means what? What's an inter- intergalactic version of a dog? Well, that's the, col- that's the energy collective of canines. So canine spirit guides are not the individual soul or spirit of any given dog it's more of a collective um i don't know collective is the only word i know but you know a group of entities that um represent the canine kingdom that are here to help humanity heal and they connect with us through our dogs, which is why they primarily call themselves the canine spirit guides. All right. And are those different
1: from like what we hear about in, in, in indigenous, easy for me to say those two words together, in indigenous cultures, when they talk about animal spirit guides, is it basically the same thing?
2: Yes, that's a good question. Um, yes, it is the same. It's the same concept. Um, and uniquely, these guides are a, 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 um, cooperation between the canine kingdom as well as the entire animal kingdom. So each guide is a combination of canine energy and animal spirit energy. So the, like the, the pictures in the book and the, the, the cover of the book you'll see the blended images of the canine and the wild animal energy cuz they identify with both
1: okay so that opens up a whole bunch of questions for me yeah
2: <laughs> first of yeah. all yeah
1: yeah uh you call yourself a galactic canine channeler what's the difference between a galactic channeler and a regular channeler or is there a difference yeah there's a big
2: difference um and i asked what my title was because I, it took me a long time to understand what this was. I met, you know, you're feeling it. Imagine how I felt. I'm channeling this in and I have no idea what it is. <laughs> so I'm like, what am I? What am I doing? And so they finally gave me my title of Galactic Canine Channel. So this is different from a canine communicator because that's not what I do. A, a lot of people can connect to dogs someone's dog and, and, and share a message from that dog. And that's not at all what I do. I'm working on a higher realm than that because I'm working with a collective of entities that are much more advanced than what we have here on this planet. So they offer advanced healing tools for humanity. Um, but that's the, that's the primary difference. I'm not an animal communicator and that's kind of why they gave me the the fancy title, the galactic canine channel, because they want the dis- they want to discriminate between the two so people understand the difference. Okay. So I talk to animals
1: all the time for clients yeah. and for people that call into my show. We can talk to Fluffy, we can talk to Buffy, we can talk to whoever, whether Fluffy is alive or whether Fluffy is in heaven, dog heaven, right. regular heaven, wherever, right. and we yeah. get information to them. Yeah. So I understand that. And and that's why I was so intrigued with you. Plus, your medical background. I mean, physical therapists are doctors. I don't understand why they don't call physical therapists doctors. What, what's up with <laughs> well, that? Well, they
2: do now. They are they, now.
1: Yeah, I know, but they don't call them doctor so-and-so. It's doctor, yeah. it's, you know, it's so-and-so physical therapist. And I think, do you go to school that long and you go through all of that? You deserve to be called doctor in my book. But anyways, how does a physical therapist get to be a galactic canine channel? I, I'm interested in what your what your story is. How did that come about? Did you just well, have like these Dog spirits show up in your bedroom one night when you were asleep? What happened?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. And actually, it didn't have anything to do with being a physical therapist, actually. That was just something I was doing to uh, distract me until I was ready. Um, so, and I've always been curious about the body, and I've always wanted to know everything. Like, I never feel like I know enough. So I'm constantly studying. Um, but They began their process of waking me up during the lockdown we had in 2020. So there was a very distinctive symbol that I received. And this story is in my book because it's something that you will not typically ever see in your life. And I happened to see it during that specific day during lockdown. And I knew instinctively that it was, it meant something. And this this energy just rushed over me the minute I saw it. And I thought, I just knew something was changing. Something big was coming. So I began to prepare myself for something I couldn't see. I didn't know what it was going to be. I just knew I needed to prepare. So I started gathering a team of people who could help me. A, um, a clairvoyant shaman, an astrologer, a numerologist, You know, I, I began to gather these people in my corner so that I had the support that I would need, even though I didn't know what was coming. It's so magical now when I look back on it, I'm like, how did I know to do that? So as I began to sort of come into this preparation phase, they also began preparing me because the numbers were all lining up with the astrology and it was all saying your bell has been wrong. It's time to come into service. And I'm like, okay, what service? What am I doing? <laughs> Is it something with physical therapy, which I wasn't all that committed to? You know, it just didn't fit me so much being in the medical realm. But I was told that I was going to write a book. And I didn't know what I was going to write about. <sighs> there, there's my canine. And so I was struggling with, okay, what do I write about? Just tell me, I'll do it. And in my sleep one night, I was having one of these astral travels and I was meeting with my guidance and we were having this discussion about the book and they kept throwing out these three words and I, hap- I happened to just reach over and grab my journal and scribble it down without even opening my eyes, just scribbled it down and went back to sleep and when I woke up the next morning, I was like, what happened? That was really bizarre last night. What What happened? I couldn't even remember the dream. And I opened my book and it said canine spirit guides over and over and over <laughs> through the same three words. And I'm like, oh, I'm writing about dogs because I also am a retired professional dog trainer. So. That's another part of my training that I have been gathering while I've been here to prepare me for this job. So I was like, okay, at least I know now I'm writing about dogs. But what I didn't understand was that it wasn't just these beautiful stories about bonds between humans and canines. As I wrote the stories, they began to not only just show me the meaning behind everything that happened. In the stories with the dogs, but they began to heal me very deeply. And it was at a level that I didn't, I was getting healing for things I didn't even know were there that were an issue that needed to be cleared. It was karma, it was ancestral hist- um, entanglements that I didn't know were there. And each each dog, each guide that I worked with healed me to a new, deeper Level. And that was something they were also teaching me at the time, which I didn't quite get until after I finished the book. But each guide came in with certain dogs of mine, and they had a prevailing job to do. They had a message and they had an energy that they were trying to share with me through those dogs. And that's what they were showing me as I was writing the book. So I knew which dogs went with which guides, and I learned who the guides were, what their names were, their job titles, what their healing capacity was. And I was able to organize it into this book. But it was a very insidious, gradual process. I didn't know when I started writing this book, which was only February of last year, 2022. And the book was completed in six months. So this whole healing process happened over only six months and it was incredibly transformational i'm not the same person i was when i started writing the book everything has changed for me my life has changed my energy's changed my job has changed i can't even describe to you you know how much i've changed (laughs) you know you didn't know me before but those who have known me before can tell you attest to the amount of change they've seen in me um but that's how the book came about I didn't know anything about these guys beforehand. I didn't um, know how to meditate. I didn't know I could channel. I didn't know I was psychic. I didn't have any of these skills whatsoever, you know, last year. So this all was just burst out of me through this process. So that's how I became the Galactic Canine Channel. All right. All right. (laughs) That's a lot to unpack here. Yes, that
1: is a lot. That's a lot to unpack. First of all, you say the spirit guides talk through your dogs. Are the dog's spirits or Are the dog's actual living dogs?
2: Well, they didn't talk
1: through them, communicate you, through them.
2: They, When they were in my life, is that what you mean? When they were in my life, they were guiding me. So the canine spirit guides were teaching me this as I wrote the book, as I put the stories together. They were showing me what the guidance was trying to communicate with me at the time. So they communicate through our dogs. So when you were writing your
1: book, the stories are fiction that you were making up and the guides were talking about that in the book, or these were actual dogs of yours that you were telling stories about and the guides were feeding you information about the significance of the stories?
2: yes the latter they are actually so it's a bit of a biography an autobiography they were dim and it was a traumatic story I'll tell you my life has not been pleasant so there was a purpose behind all of it and there was also an energetic offering throughout each event that they were trying to show me Um, they were offering to heal me at that point with their gifts but I didn't you know, I didn't know any of this existed, nobody did be, does before now because they're just coming out to show themselves to everybody. But they used my stories to demonstrate what they have to offer humanity and how they work through our dogs with us because it's very um, undercover. Like you, your dog just looks like a dog, right? They, they sit there and they lick themselves and they seem like they're not paying attention but they're actually masterminding behind the scenes events in our lives and decisions that we make and, and little hints that we hear in our ears. They're very involved in that whole process and that's what the stories are demonstrating. Can you give us an example of one of those stories? Maybe not necessarily yours, maybe
1: one of a client's, but how would a dog be participating in how our life is unfolding? Other than the regular ways You beat them, you let them out, you walk them You know, that kind of stuff
2: Yeah, there's there's a story that I'd like to share It's in the, um, the prologue of the book, actually And it's a story about a dream that I had Where I was at a dog show And an outdoor dog show And I recognized all the handlers that were there I did not have a dog And it was at a national championship and so I recognized all the professional handlers and all their dogs and while I was watching this competition I looked out over this big um, body of water I think it was a big lake and on the other side of the lake I could see something moving over there and I saw it start to move around the side of the lake towards me and as it got closer to me I realized it was a wolf and as this wolf and I made eye contact, I kind of got startled because I'm like, what's this wolf up to? And, and he started aiming right at me, started running right towards me. And at first I was a little shocked. I'm like, well, what am I gonna do with this? What's going on? Should I be afraid? And at the same time, I looked back to the trial grounds to see if anybody was there to help me and, and everybody was gone. And then I looked back to the wolf as he got closer and I realized it was a dog and he came up to me And it was a very specific type of dog, a Belgian Malinois. And he came up to me and he wagged his tail and he looked, he was very friendly. And I thought, well, whose dog is this? Someone's dog is lost. So then I, in the dream, I go back and I try and find the competitors at the hotel and I go around to all the competitors and I say, is this your dog? Is this your dog? Because he was the same breed that many of the competitors had. I thought maybe a dog had run off. And no one claimed him. And then somebody who was there said, well, if no one claims him, he must be yours. He must be your dog. And I, at that moment, this wave of energy, now this isn't a dream, this wave of energy washed over me and I got very, um, what's the word, overcome with joy. And I started crying in the dream and I embraced the dog and I go, you are my dog. I wasn't expecting to take a dog home, but you are my dog. And ironically, what happened shortly thereafter was I remembered that dream forever, obviously, because this was over. This was about 25 years ago. But what happened just weeks after that dream, I got an insatiable desire to buy a dog. (laughs) And not only any dog but I needed at the time I was competing in the sport that I was actually observing in my dream and I needed a dog that could take me to the national level and I decided to import a dog from overseas and I ended up I searched and I searched and I searched for the right dog and I didn't understand I was psychic at this moment but I would get dogs that people say hey I have this dog people in Germany Belgium um would email me and say I have this dog they send me a video or whatever and I'd look at the dog go nope wrong dog and finally I went through all these dogs and one of them stuck out and he had this expression about him that was very familiar and so I ended up buying this dog sight unseen I had only seen videos and pictures imported him from Germany the thing that's so miraculous is his owner lived in East Germany didn't have a computer, didn't even speak English. And it was only by digging deeply and asking the right questions that somebody knew about him. Somebody knew he was selling his dog. And so I found him by the grace of God, I found him and, in, and purchased his dog from him. And that ended up being the very dog that was calling to me in my dreams as he explained to me while I was writing this book. I didn't know that at the time, but this is how sometimes they work with us and every single dog I have owned has called to me before I found that dog. So they're always talking to us and also what they've shared with us and many people I think have said this, our canines and all of our pets are part of our soul family they know what our path is they know why we're here they know what we've chosen to overcome and the path that we're taking so they they hold a very um unique perspective on our lives and what we need so they're incredible allies to help us but they don't stay around very long. So is that because they
1: our lives paths change so much, you know, what's an average dog's life? 10 years, yeah. 12 years, something like that. And and I have clients who've said, "I'm reluctant to get another dog because it's so painful when they pass."
2: Well, we we grow the most through our pain. So we ha- if we have no pain,
1: we're not going to grow. You sound like Jane Fonda. No pain, no gain. <laughs> back <laughs> well, in the a day. what's different when, kind of pain. Back <laughs> in the day when she had her videos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I got another thing that just came to mind. When somebody's dying, Heatherly, I can see telepathically spirits of deceased loved ones and pets along with the angels and they form this configuration that I call the 12 phases of transition. And it's how this configuration changes as we're getting closer and closer to death. The The first time I saw this was with my own mother in 2002 when she was dying. And there were all these dogs, spirits in the room with all these deceased loved ones, some of whom I knew, some I didn't, but I figured out yeah. who they were with pictures that my uncle showed me of their grandmothers and their great-grandmothers, people like that. But my childhood dogs aren't. Our family's childhood dogs, their spirits were in the room, and I'm going, what? Uh, what? What is this? I I understood the family members, but the animals, and I, you love this. One of my best girlfriends is a lawyer, and we've been friends since we were ten. So she knew all the family dogs, and I'm calling her. And I'm saying, oh my God, Frosty's in the room, Rummy's in the room. She told her mother later, her mother told me this after the fact, she said, Patty said, Julie wouldn't lie about that. Julie wouldn't make that up. (laughs) I said, I know. Fast forward, I've done this so many times. And so graduates of my class done this so many times. There can be farm animals in the room. There can be, you know, guinea pigs and cats and whatever. And I'll say, did your grandmother grow up on a farm? There's a, there are horses and cows and pigs and goats and dogs and whatever i've seen llamas i've seen all this wild stuff so that's not a surprise to me that the spirits are around see, us yeah i can't
2: see any of that that yeah. that's not at all what i do i and it's it's like i just skip that layer i can't see that at all <laughs> well how do you how, what do you remember about your first car As
1: an aside, just tell me, first thing comes in your head, what do you remember about your first car? It was a Honda Accord. Okay, so that is telling me what it was. You're not telling me what it looked like, you're telling me the brand, which tells me you're probably a kinesthetic learner, you probably feel things. Uh I'm a visual learner, so I see things first. And that's how Spirit communicates to us, is based on how we learn because it's the path of least resistance it's the easiest way to do it which goes to my question how do you get this information from these guides does it just come into your head as a thought do you feel things do you see things do you hear things all of the above tell us about how that works for you
2: yeah so there's a variety of ways that they communicate with me um Sometimes they're just channeling in information. So it'll be just the thoughts that come in and I dictate it into my recorder or I'll write it down. When I'm working with a client and I'm in their energy field, I will feel their memories. I'll feel the experience that I'm supposed to share with them. I'll feel it in my body. I feel it in my emotions. Um, And I will see things through their experience, through their goggles Um, that they need to be aware of and they need to know and then I'll hear the guides speaking to me about that and explaining it to me how they need to hear it or what they need to know about it and when I'm working in I call it in ceremony when I'm working in a healing ceremony um, you know with the canine spirit guides I will see them come in and I will see what they're doing with my client energetically and where they are in the body, what they're doing, what symbols they're working with, what energy they're moving around, uh, so I can I can see, I can hear, and I can feel, which is pretty typical. Spirits going to communicate to
1: us initially in the in the way that we learn, and then all those other senses are going to come in. It's like learning a language. Yeah. When you see, when you say you hear things, do you actually? hear it with your ears or you hear it because it's a thought that comes into your head
2: it just comes it just down it's downloaded into my head okay yeah yeah yeah
1: I call those divine downloads yeah same thing kind of a thing
2: (laughs) I'm seeing I'm hearing yeah yeah
1: but you know it's in our heads right how do the the canine spirits appear to you when you see them
2: you know they just look like energy to me, and and I know all of their distinctive energies, so based on their energy, I know who they are. What's, what's energy look like to you? I've never thought about that. Like, I've never combined those two before, like how they look versus how it feels. Because um, you're a I'd, kinesthetic learner. Yeah, yeah. I've never thought mm-hmm. about that before.
1: Because as a visual learner, I see, like, if I'm scanning your dog, as an example, I'll say, okay, well, your dog, Susie, is a husky, and I can see she's beautiful, and this is what she looks like. Usually, their spirits will show up that way, too, so I can describe, okay, there's a collie there, there's a great Dane, there's a... Yorkie there's a whatever jack russell terrier they'll say oh that's buddy that's you know and they'll come up with the names that's trigger my horse that's molly my cow yeah yeah that kind of thing because i'm a visual learner so interesting
2: i had to shift to an auditory learning style because of a brain incident i had so Now I'm very strong in the auditory. And so that's, I usually hear first what they'll tell me who it is. You know, if if there is a, um, a person or an animal there, they'll tell me who it is. So I don't actually see it. They'll just tell me. And again, that's a thought in your head.
1: Uh Yeah. 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 So are there, are the canine spirit guides... Can you tell my information suck gene has been turned on here? You got my entry my you know inquisitiveness peaked here. Your your guides that come in are there a certain group of guides that each have individual names that work together collectively, kind of like as
2: your advisory board of galactic canine spirit guides. There right now I'm working with 4 and they call themselves the core 4 and those are the 4 that are in the first book. Um there's over 50 total and the next group will be 8, the essential 8 they say. Um so the core 4 are um you know core healing um that we need to address before we can go further and so they it's it's a broad spectrum though it's not all just baby stuff i'll say the first two guides are working with rudimentary healing core healing i i usually qualify it as with emotions and pain and um you know hidden karma ancestral patterning they're working with the base layer the heart chakra that's that's so wounded in, in humanity. The, the next layer is Oregon, and she works more with, with getting these illusions and masks removed so that we can connect fully and, and completely with our divine soul because we're hiding from our own soul because we mostly don't know that we are connected to it. So she works to, to remove all the blockages to allow us to do that. And the fourth guide, the creme de la creme, I call him. He's magnificent. Um, he's the eagle, the bald eagle and the pug. Quite magical um, stature he has. But he introduces us into the intergalactic realm. So with his help, we can then move into, once we've got the base layers cleaned out, we have the energetic fields opened up and we have more space to expand our energetic frequency. He comes in and helps us engage with our intergalactic selves. Okay, a pug and an eagle,
1: I can't even imagine what that combo platter looks like. Ah. Do you have a picture? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Just happened to have a picture close by. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, the, so it's got wings and a little bit of a pug face. So does it fly? Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, so when, when he appears, it'll be one form or the other. So I you'll see. either see the pug, but depending on what the, the message and the healing is, you'll either see the pug part or you'll see the eagle part.
1: When I hear the word galactic, it makes me think of star wars and wormholes and other uh uh-huh. other uh star systems and all that kind of thing is that does that come into play here as
2: yeah. well yeah we're talking about um if you want to say et extraterrestrial we're talking about um races other races we're talking about dimensions where animals exist let me let me say this in other dimensions, animals are not like they are here, based on what they've shown me. In other dimensions, animals are very spiritually advanced, more so than us. And those races will consult with the animals because the animals teach them what they need to know about themselves and help them to elevate their spiritual awareness. So they're not. They're not farms. They're not eaten. They're not domesticated. They're they're worshipped not not in a godly way, but they're admired and they're respected as leaders and teachers. So um, that's kind of what we're t- they're trying to open us up to to that awareness to the to the fact that the animals here on this planet are here for a very specific reason to help support humanity through our process. Um, and they're, they are being mistreated because of what, who they really are. Right. And because humanity has this kind of backward sense of, of, of being human. Um, but they're, they're coming out now to teach us this, to expose us to it and to, offer their services on a whole different level.
1: When you're talking about the intergalactic animals are more advanced than than perhaps even our human species here on Earth and other what we would consider comparable species in on other planets and in other galaxies, it brings to mind Aztec drawings, ancient, the Egyptian drawings, where it's like you know, there's a animal body, but a different kind of a head, and it's and it's very common in the ancient Egypt and Mesopotamia and those kind of cultures. And the other one that I think of is Aztec and many indigenous cultures have those. Gosh, ancient, ancient, uh, way pre BC, thousands and thousands of years old of those drawings inside caves and others were those canine spirit guides, do you believe appearing to those cultures and those peoples all
2: those millennia ago, do you believe? Yes. Yes. That's okay. That's before humanity changed. So they did come to visit in their natural form back then. Um, and we embraced them and we, we uh, allowed ourselves to be taught by them and to be um i mean humanity expanded and grew only because of the races that came to help us right we we didn't know what fire was before before a race came and showed it to us <laughs> we we didn't know how to connect with the stars we didn't know how to make pyramids until somebody came and showed us how to do that right um the animals also came way and and you know Way before modern man, they came to help humanity. But then there was a change in humanity, and um, it was decided to not help so much. So we've been cut off from this for a very long time. And now it's time for humanity to expand and to, to remember who we really are. And they're coming back through the canine spirit guides are coming back to help us and to expand our awareness and, uh, and give us access to this healing that they have to offer. Does that have to do,
1: when you talk about there was a change in humanity, does that have to do with the lost civilizations like Lemuria? People talk about that and some of those other ones that are supposedly documented in a lot of ways, but there's a big discussion about whether they were real or not. It's when you say humanity changed, what was the catalyst there? Was there an event that happened? Was the asteroid hitting the earth? What what was going on?
2: Yeah, th- there was an event. Um Lumeria is real. they're, we, they're actually Moo, the Moo civilization. I was on the Moo, I was a member of the Moo civilization. What's the Moo civilization? Well, that's who the Lumerians really are. Humanity gave them the name Lumeria because of the location they think they lived in, but they were actually the Mu. They would consider themselves the Mu civilization. Um, so they were first, and then the Atlanteans arrived. Um, and yes, there was some turmoil. The Atlanteans stout, stepped out of bounds and let the ego take over, and there was a war that damaged the Earth. And because of this, it was decided that we wouldn't remember anymore. We were disconnected. And also all other civilizations and all other races that were helping humanity were removed from the planet to allow humanity to exist on its own. So we lost a lot of contact when that happened. And ever since then, we've been floundering and not doing such a great job. Um, you know, the planet is suffering tremendously. Humanity is suffering tremendously. So there's a big push right now to get us out of this nose, nosedive. And we have a lot of help on this planet, you know, with people like you. I mean, you've been doing this a long time, right? And then there's new star seeds that are being awakened, like myself. There's a huge push to help humanity come up into the lightness that we were always designed to be. I've
1: read articles and heard some lectures about the pyramids and how there are pyramids all over the world. There are pyramids here in the U.S. <laughs> and pyramids, certainly Egypt is what most people think of, but all over Europe, all over the Asia, there are pyramids everywhere. And what I've heard is that oftentimes those pyramids are built in a certain latitude and longitude, using certain latitude and longitude coordinates. And I've heard archaeologists say that it's so common, those latitude and longitude coordinates, that perhaps there was some kind of intergalactic communication, something that was very advanced, similar maybe to our internet of today. Right, But they were doing it, using the stars and using energy to transport and to receive and send energy information into these different pyramids. And you think about the pyramids and you think, how did they build those things? They didn't have the technology that we have, but certainly there, there are and were other
2: ways because otherwise they wouldn't be around right well actually they had much more advanced technology than we did mm-hmm. that we've humanity has lost a lot since that day a lot we we haven't even begun to catch up
1: what have you been told about that with that advanced technology can you give us like an example i mean obviously the pyramids are one but how did that happen? What was the technology? Was it just telepathic? Was it something that was, was, uh, didn't involve gravity, certainly? Was gravity not around at that point? Have you gotten any of the specifics on that?
2: Well, they, they um, had a connection to their source. And that's the biggest difference is that they, they um, especially the Atlanteans, they were being groomed to become gods on Earth. So they had very um, direct coaching from the intergalactic races, teaching them how to do this. And um, they, their schools and their colleges weren't necessarily based on arithmetic and history and, and science. It was more geared towards spiritual development and, and, and um, developing your skills as a psychic person and developing your skills to be able to connect to the intergalactic races and um, work as a community on the planet to take care of the planet and um, exist more in a colony instead of a kingdom. So things went sideways (laughs) at some point and it didn't work out so good. They took a wrong turn at some point in their development, but um, yeah, they were much more advanced spiritually and with their technology than we were. They levitated. They used telepathy. They used energy to, um, reconfigure the rocks and to cut, to shape the rocks. Cause with, with their energy using their body, they could reduce the rock into a putty and reshape it and, and form those precise bricks that the pyramids are made of and they could place them exactly where they wanted to place them and the pyramids were energy portals they were portals where the intergalactics could come and go um through those portals and they also stored energy they were free energy we had electric light bulbs back then because we knew how to to collect energy from the sun and And it wasn't the solar panels we use now. It was this teeny tiny little device. So, yeah, I mean, we are still trying to come back to that. We've lost a lot. Well, and to your point about energy
1: generators with the pyramids, I know that many of them have healing chambers in the the bowels of them. And some of them even still today have running water going through them. Uh So there are many people that have gone to those pyramids kind of on a pilgrimage, like a health pilgrimage kind of a thing. And let's say they have cancer or they have diabetes or something and they go down and they spend an hour or two in the bowels of the pyramid and they come out and they're healed. Wow. And it's kind of like a, and it's similar to the stories from the shrines like Lourdes and Fatima and places like that. Those are all energy centers, I believe, Mm -hmm. where these miracles happen and people there are just countless stories if you go visit one of those shrines i mean there's just oh, there are thousands and thousands of stories of people being healed
2: well in those and they places. built them on energy portals of the earth the earth has right. energy i mean right. all we have to do is learn how to tap into it and use it and mm-hmm. not abuse it right um, mm-hmm. that's the trick yeah Yeah. Do the canine
1: spirit guides talk to everybody? Do they only talk to certain people? That's my first question. My second question is, do they collaborate with our other spirit guides and angels so that it's a collective that's advising each and every person?
2: Yes, they do collaborate with people's own spirit guides, because when I connect with someone for a healing session, I also invite in their own personal spirit guides to be part of the process. So it's not like they um, assume an autonomy um, or um, they're very respectful for whoever the person wants present. So some people I work with don't believe in any of this and um they might be okay with working with um god energy or maybe jesus and so we can bring those energy frequencies in as well um and then the canine spirit guys will kind of sit at the distance and you know and if the person is willing and ready then they'll they'll lend their their skills as well too but you know honestly it's all it all, all comes from the same source we're all from the same source so that's it really my next doesn't question. matter what our interpretation yeah. is. We're we're accessing the same thing, right? Yeah. That was my next question: Is
1: are they coming in in that form? But it's all source energy communicating yeah. through that form. That's what I believe too. And yeah. the movie that I reference a lot with this is Contact with Jodie Foster. Do you remember that
2: movie? Yeah.
1: And she was an astrophysicist trying to communicate with with uh, aliens and other galaxies and planets, and she goes to the other planet, and the alien shows up, the ET, whatever you wanna call it, shows up in the image of her father when she was a child, looking the way he looked when he died, when she was a child, and she figures out, okay, this is just a form or a mask you're wearing so that I'm not frightened by you, Mm And And it shows me that you're loving. I I believe that too, that spirit guides and angels and all that, it's all source communicating in a way that we can fathom that seems feasible to us based on what we've been taught, based on what our experiences are.
2: Yeah. And I've had those visits too. I'll I'll have a dream. And you know, there's a difference between a dream and an astral travel. And you just start to learn what the difference is. And I'll have a dream where someone I know comes to visit and I'm like, this isn't you, this is someone else wearing your suit because they yeah. they want me to be okay with them visiting me and feel safe, but it's it's really probably another race or another guide that I've never seen or, you know, but they appear as someone I'm familiar with so that I'm not afraid and I'll be, you know, a, I'll be I'm comfortable with the engagement. You and Jody Foster.
1: Yeah, Same right?
2: Thing. Yeah, you and Jodie Foster. <laughs> How do,
1: you, how do you know the difference between a dream and a and a
2: visit? Oh, it's a texture. Um and it's a feeling. It's I, I just intuitively know that, you know, and I'll also know when I'm I'm visiting someone astrally. I just I have this feeling. It to me a dream is um more of a, a story and it doesn't make any sense and it kind of jumps around. But when I'm astral traveling, it's a very specific thing that I'm doing. It's a very specific person that I'm working with and talking to and um, it doesn't jump around as much. Mm-hmm. What I find, Heather Lee, is that dreams
1: are kind of muted colors and I agree. they They a lot of times don't make sense. Whereas a visit is concise it's like almost it's in high def the yeah. colors are more vibrant the senses are heightened yeah we remember details vivid details from it even when we wake up even if we don't write them down sometimes we can feel the hair on the back of our necks or our arms standing up you know there's there's really a sensual feel to it that will translate into our human bodies And that's just because it's a different vibration. We vibrate slowly when we're spirits in a body because the body has mass, yeah. whereas spirit doesn't. So it feels like it's a different vibration than our... It's like going into a cold room. You know, you get goosebumps because you're cold. Yeah. It's the same, same kind of a thing I find. I have seen in multiple past lives with clients and with people who've called into my show different incarnations on different planets Mm -hmm. and at first I was thinking okay this looks like a Star Wars set Uh, whoever whoever, George Lucas and his buddies that wrote the script of that I mean those guys were channeling that stuff because I've seen it Yeah, but they it's interesting to me because I think well gosh this is in the future it's not the year that we get in our human year might be 1912 or 1712 or something like that And I go back to time doesn't exist in the spirit world. Time is a human creation. Uh So when you astral travel, can you explain to us what happens with that? Is it something that you intend before you go to sleep at night? Is it something that just happens? Do you find that you go into different time periods? Is time even relevant? That's 15 questions all at once. So I'll
2: let you attack that as you wish. Golly, there's so much to say here. Um, when I astral travel in my dreams, it's not something I plan, so I don't know it's going to happen. Um, but I am not aware of any sense of time at all. But one thing I do know is that when I come back, when I wake up that morning, I always know I've traveled because I'm I'm so heavy, like I just can barely move. Like I get out of bed and I have to go sit down. <laughs> Because the body is, you know, you, you, you got so used to being out of your body in this light weight and the, the gravity of the planet and your this physical body is very heavy. And so when you've been traveling and you come back, you really feel it. So that's one way to know that you're astral traveling at night is when you get up and you're just like, I don't know what's wrong. I just got to sit down, you know. <laughs> um, but. When I, I can actually, I now, I, when I work, I go to the quantum field, when I work with the the canine spirit guides, and I can do this how quite, do you How do you get there? What do you do? Well, I sit and um, I used to have to meditate to get there, but now I just sit and I go to this point of, um, it's a point of blackness where nothing exists and yet everything exists simultaneously and it's a, it's how do you a, get there i just use my consciousness to get there i just that's you my envision it that's my intent and that's where i go and i know i'm there because there's a weight to it there's a heaviness to it and yet there's a void to it so um and the only thing that happens there is what i ask to happen so if i'm meeting somebody if i'm want to go and talk to a, a intergalactic race then i that's my request and that's where i'll go if i want to bring in the canine spirit guides then they come and they sit around me because there's nothing there but us if i'm if i'm bringing in a client's energy that i have the client's energy meet me there um so it's a very sterile place and um my intent also is to be in in engulfed in protection too, because I don't want anybody else breaking into that safe space. Um, but that's where I go. And it's not really in the astral plane, I've been told. The astral plane is between here and there. And the astral um, plane is a little bit less safe, because there's a lot of stuff going on there. So I I try not to hang out <laughs> in the astral plane, and I have been attacked in the astral plane in my dreams, which was really scary. So I try not to spend any time in that in-between space. When you say that you decide whether you're going to
1: call somebody in from a different galaxy or the, the canine spirit guides, are you just led, okay, I'm working with Susie Smith and I need to call in somebody from the Andromeda galaxy or how does that work?
2: Well, I'll get into that space and I will engulf myself in the client's energy. And then my question is, who needs to work with this soul? And I'll invite in, usually I invite in all of the canine spirit guides so that they can be present. And then I'll ask, who has the healing or the wisdom this soul needs at this moment? And that's when one of them will come forward. And sometimes I've had the intergalactic races come forward because that person is a starseed from that planet and they need to know something about their journey here and they need some healing so that they can be empowered to move forward. For those listening that don't know what a starseed is, what's
1: a starseed?
2: Yeah, that that was always a burning question I had. I'm like, what the heck is a starseed? Um, well, starseeds are people who are not from here. Now, technically none of us are from here because we're all from the stars we're all we're all children of energy right but star seeds are people who are incarnated here for a specific reason of assisting the planet in and elevating its frequency assisting humanity and healing and elevating um, and typically we know we're not like everybody else You know, I spent my whole life feeling like I was a fish out of water. I didn't belong anywhere. I didn't have any friends. I couldn't figure out how to, you know, get along in society because I just didn't fit. And I just knew I didn't fit. And so that's a really common feeling for starseeds because we kind of just intuitively know we're not from here. And we're very uncomfortable being here because we know it's not real and it's not something that you can articulate necessarily you just kind of feel feel like you don't belong but the star seeds have a very specific mission here on this planet with their role in helping humanity and a lot of us have to fight our way through to figure that out because when we incarnate we're just as ignorant and um brainwashed as everybody else when you come when you drink the kool-aid and you come through the the veil right like we don't know who we are so we have to find our way back to who we are and sometimes like i describe in my book it's a painful process trying to get to mm-hmm. that point point. and so starseeds go through an awakening process which is what i did last year where suddenly everything just makes sense suddenly they know who they are and why they're here. And it's a completely, um, what's the word, magical transformation when all of a sudden the curtain just pulls open wide and you're like, there it is. That's who I am. That's why I'm here. And you're just liberated into your mission. Okay. How has knowing
1: this knowledge how is this information in the past, really not very long period of time, three years or so, it sounds like for you, how has it changed your life? How's it enhanced your life or wow. has it enhanced your life?
2: Yeah, it's an it's absolutely enhanced my life. It's also it's thrown me into the, the frying pan in a way. But um, yeah, it validated everything I had suspected about myself, like I was really hard on myself, and I thought that I didn't belong because I was a bad person. So mm. it really helped to put things in perspective. Um, i I have a, a role here. I have a very important job, and so so do all the other star seeds, and yet we feel like we've just been dropped off the ship and left. Abandoned, you know, (laughs) wait, come back. I don't want to stay, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Um, PT phone home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, So it has been the most rewarding experience ever to finally have the veil pulled off my face and realize that I am a very powerful person and I chose to be here because I'm a courageous person, and I chose to take this on. And it has really liberated me into my mission even stronger. I mean, I've always been incredibly committed about something. I didn't know what. I knew I was driven to do and find something. I just didn't know what it was. But now that I have a focus and a goal and I understand why I'm here and I've got my my skills that I came here with, i um, life is different for me now i i see the joy in the world you know i i I see the love in the world and of course now i had to elevate my frequency to get to to be able to access my gifts and my skills so now that i've elevated my frequency i'm not resonating with the lower vibrations anymore so i'm not i'm not seeing the terrible things in the world i'm not hearing the negativity I'm not you know seeing the war and the hatred and the violence. I don't even see it anymore because I my frequency is higher now so it has really changed a lot for me mm-hmm. do you come from a spiritual family did you have a spiritual background yeah. no that is so that is a really good story <laughs> oh. share it with us my um my dad was a preacher in the church of christ Okay. And my mom grew up Methodist, so of course I was taken to church every Sunday, and as a small child, you know, at first I was like, okay, I'll play along, and I went to Sunday school, and then in the Methodist church, um, I think I was about eight or nine, they put me through the the um, classes where you learn to become a member of the church, I can't remember what they're called. Um, we get to the end of the class, and they're ready to baptize me or whatever they do. And and I have to like um, commit myself to the church and I'm like eight or nine and I'm like, commit myself to the church. I'm only nine. <laughs> I'm not making a commitment like that. <laughs> I'm just getting started in the world. I, I can't make that commitment. I said that as a child. And so I never joined the church and I never really felt like I've, I've been to several, many, many different churches since then. And and I even belonged to an Episcopal church when I was in college. But I just felt like none of the religions actually contained everything that I knew about God. Like nothing could fit it all in. And it didn't match what I instinctively knew to be true. So I didn't want to align myself with that. So I've always had my own personal commitment to God, but it was, it was personal. It was my connection. I had a direct connection and I knew that. And so, no, um, my father was totally against anything spiritual. My mom had a little bit of a spiritual side. Then she believes in some of this to a certain extent, but I blow her mind now. <laughs> she can't, she, she's she's alive
1: and uh, hears what you're doing.
2: And and, she she hears it, but you know you know when when the frequency is too high for you, you fall asleep. Your brain shuts down. Your nervous system short circuits, and so I'll start talking to her, and she's just like <sighs> she can't she can't hold the energy. <laughs> so oh, interesting.
1: Um, wow. Yeah,
2: and you know, my husband he doesn't believe in aliens, he doesn't believe in god he he doesn't believe in any of it, so <laughs> I'm still a lone wolf, but I'm okay with that now, uh-huh. you know, um so they I,
1: support you in doing what you wanna do, although they don't necessarily buy it,s what yeah. I'm
2: hearing, yeah,
1: yeah, wonderful, yeah.
2: yeah, they don't persecute me for it, that's for sure, yeah, well, that's good, yeah
1: when uh we have these missions like you said you know what your mission is what's your mission like if you had to come up with a mission statement what is it
2: oh to help humanity heal with using the canine spirit guys we have a lot of healing to do and the our race can't heal until we heal ourselves so it starts with us and um you know I know that people watch the news and they see the wars going on they see all the violence and they want it to stop but the message is get yourself healed and the more healed you are the more um, percentage of humanity that's healed the more we can elevate the frequency and everyone else will come up to match us so okay. it's not something that we need to do externally it's something we need to do internally okay Why do we incarnate that? Well, each person has a different reason for that, and there are some junkies that just like it here, so they just keep rolling back in.
0: (laughs) This is not the
2: fun place to be, let me tell you. And when I was born, my mother says, I was born angry, and I'm and I had I walked this planet for the first 20 years going, I want out. I am never coming back and I don't want to be here. I didn't know anything that I know now, but I just knew I didn't want to be here. Um, Souls incarnate to grow. So earth, this is what I know, earth is the hardest place to incarnate. It contains like a compressed amount of growth because of the emotions that we experience here on earth because we don't experience emotions any in any other dimension in any other planet like we do here um so when um souls want to incarnate here it's usually because they want to achieve a lot of growth fast
1: mm-hmm. and this
2: is definitely the place to do it if you can do it mm-hmm. so if you start your mission and you get caught up in the earth plane and you fall for the the um the um, veil of confusion and the illusions you get trapped here because you start to believe it. And so many souls have just, just recycled and recycled and recycled and never gone home again because they've forgotten where they're from. So um, I, I think I've been trapped trapped in that cycle for a while myself and this life I'm breaking out of that pattern Um but that's why we come here is to grow, because if we can come here and be completely blind and not know who we are, and we can find our way through these challenges and we our soul chooses what to experience, so <clears throat> each experience is going to teach us something different. Um, <clears throat> there is a really great example of this in my book. I learned through working with the Canine Guides and the healing that they took me through, that my father was very abusive and unkind and caused a lot of emotional trauma for me. And I learned through this process, and we never became friends. He died and I didn't even know he was gone um, because we didn't speak for the last 20 years of his life. But I learned that the reason we had the relationship we had was because several incarnations ago on, and this is part of the, the ancestral pattern I had to untangle, I was the patriarch of the family and I started this um, cascade of karma, we'll say, with violence and and that, in the first life I saw, I robbed and beat a man and burned him alive. Oh, heavens. Yeah. And yeah, it wasn't pleasant. And the second life I saw, I was, it was kind of like on b- the Bonanza. It looked like the Bonanza set. And I was the head of the household, a man, and, um, and I was greedy for all the land. And so I was in this horrible feud with the the neighboring family to take their land. And so, so many people died because of my ego. And so there's another part of anger and rage to unpack in that lifetime. And then there was yet another lifetime where I was a woman and I was raped by a family member and my brothers went after the family member. And at this point, I'm observing this lifetime and I'm seeing, oh, I've learned from the first two lives and I've decided in this life that violence isn't the answer. So when my brothers go to brutally murder this family member, I'm upset because I'm realizing this isn't the answer. But yet I'm powerless to do anything about it because I'm a woman and in that age, women had no power. And then because I didn't speak up and um, and I the family I brought shame on the family I was imprisoned in my own home and never got to leave so there's another type of rage there that's that I'm exploring in that lifetime so also when I look back I realized this is the same family line as my father and my grandfather this is what they showed me so I was um, a parent of my grandfather way back when And so I created this whole cascade of violence. And because of this, my father was mistreated by his father in this life. And so my father mistreated me because that's what he knew. And so I unpacked all of this and I went, holy cow, the whole reason my father were the way we were was because of something I started. (laughs) Because of what I did to him way back when. So. That's kind of a story around incarnation. My soul was trying to unpack and understand rage. And that's why I had those three lifetimes. And each time I learned something, so then I'm like, okay, let me look at the other part of that. Let me look at the other side of the coin. How does that look? How does that work? How would I get myself out of that? So my soul was trying to figure out how to learn from all of these um, Uh, opportunities yeah quite a
1: revelation when I work with clients on past lives there will be a semblance of a script similar to what you've just described yeah that what that I will see continue throughout multiple lifetimes and we're looking at the same basic script through a different perspective yeah at each time and you just explained it so beautifully I, I find the same thing. Yeah. And and it you know, and it really helps us move forward when we can see, okay, here's why this happened. It's not because I was a bad kid. Right. It's because of all this other stuff that happened. And oh, by the way, I started the cascade.
2: Yeah. Oh, by the way, when. it's my fault.
1: <laughs> oh, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what a fascinating conversation. You are just delightful. Thank you. How can people learn more about you and your work?
2: Well, I have a website, heatherleestrom.com, that has all my information on it. And I also have my own podcast um, on YouTube, Heather Lee Strong. And my podcast, I um, share channeled messages from the canine guides. And then we also share healing frequency around those channeled messages during the podcast. Okay, terrific. Well, everybody, thanks
1: for joining us. I'm sending you lots of love from sweet home Alabama Mwah. and from Indianapolis too, where Heather Lee is. We will see you next time. Take care. Bye, everybody. Bye.
0: Thanks for joining us. Be sure to follow Julie on Instagram and YouTube at Ask Julie Ryan and like her on Facebook at Ask Julie Ryan. To schedule an appointment or submit a question, please visit AskJulieRyan.com.